Shalom Ubracha. Welcome back to Chatting Rabbis. This is Eliezer Zalmanov from Munster, Indiana. Hi. You started differently, Aldo. Mendy Khetruk from Istanbul, Turkey. Um, by the way, Eliezer, are you uh, getting a haircut on Lagba Oymer? Am I getting a haircut on Lagba Oymer? Wow, that's a loaded question. You know, before my... Uh, when my sons came home from yeshiva before Pesach, my wife uh, kept reminding them, like for a whole uh, week and a half or two weeks that they were here before Pesach, don't forget to get a haircut before Yontif, don't forget to get a haircut before Yontif. So one of my boys uh, at some point says, Ma, you know that Sphira is not that long. It's only, it's only seven weeks. I've gone longer without a haircut. But uh, for myself, I, I can survive not getting a haircut on Lagbaimer. I, I don't mind having a, a little bit unruly hair. But I understand that there are people that are uncomfortable with that. Especially people that uh, follow the heterim uh, to shave. You know, we, we don't shave as chassidim. We grow our beards fully. But people that aren't used to growing full beards and they shave within the, within the uh, parameters of halacha, uh, getting a haircut on Lagbaimer also means uh, shaving their beards, which... Uh, is something that uh, is very uncomfortable if you're not used to, if you're not used to having a beard regularly. So to answer your question, sorry, I went off on a bit of a tangent, but uh, no, I'm not planning on getting a haircut on Lagboimer, but I understand that uh, for many people there are. Uh, it is an important day to get a haircut. Uh, we don't because the Rebbe generally uh, advised Chassidim not to get haircuts on Lagboimer, with some exceptions. Uh, the, ex- the main exception of course, as we know, is an upsharnish. I had uh, two of my boys upsharnishes, their third birthday, first haircut were on Lagboimer. But other than that, we generally avoid it. I, w- I would ask you the same question, but I'm looking I'm looking at your uh, your forehead here. There's not much left to cut. And that's, that's true. Not much left to cut. I actually had yesterday, uh, somebody asked me if you could uh, see the moon to make Kiddush Lavon. I said, I'll just take off my hat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but I am definitely going to get a haircut on Lagboimer but because uh, for several reasons first of all because uh, I really need a haircut and I uh, did not manage to get one before Pesach and that is one thing the second thing is because when I uh, was a student in Yeshiva in Kern Heights and I told my grandfather that I don't want to uh, you know that we don't get haircuts on Lagboimer and he said what are you talking about when I was in Paris in uh, 1947, I went together with the Rebbe to get a haircut. We both got a haircut in Lagboimer at a barber shop in Paris. I think the the concept of haircuts on Lagboimer is similar to the concept of uh, Eruv, where it's not something that's completely forbidden and out of the question. And sometimes you need to make a statement to remind people that it's halachically permissible and it's something that should be done. And uh, if, if necessary, it uh, should be done within the parameters of halacha. So I'm going to go get a haircut and like, and plus I also do something which for many people it's like, I don't know, lately I heard it's like a very on uh, Hasidish, uh, I guess. I also um, cut my uh, mustache a little bit for, so it doesn't go into my food. What do you say about that? Well, I don't cut my mustache because my mustache is not very long, but the halacha says very clearly that you're allowed to cut your mustache. And not only are you allowed to cut your mustache regularly, you're even allowed to cut your mustache during the three weeks and during uh, periods of availas of mourning because uh, it gets in the way of, of eating and it, uh, it uh, can be problematic. So, uh, yes, so it does get problematic because uh, especially for people who... Uh, if the mustache are long and it bothers them, it goes into the food, it can have a be problematic of having uh, meat and milk uh, mixtures. Or gebrox on Pesach. <laughs> Whatever it is. 
<laughs> but um, that that's like something I don't know why I have always seen uh, you know my in my family um, everybody I even Eltuze the you they used to work uh, yeah, trim his mustache from time to time. Um, he also used to give himself uh, haircuts on the day. But a couple a couple years ago, I was sitting by Fabringen and some some Chassidish uh, Shabacher or younger man, I don't remember exactly who, I don't remember his stage, started telling you, oh, you why 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 do you trim your mustache? And it wasn't uh, seen as a very Chassidish thing to do. Um, do you have any uh, anything about that? I don't have any uh, any feelings about it one way or another. I mean, I understand the general the feel generally the feeling from a uh, Hasidic perspective is that we don't touch the the facial hair at all with a knife or with a razor, the scissors. But I don't I don't have any specific feelings about it. Um, but yeah, I've 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 heard the same things that you've heard. Um, you know, like I said, my my mustache is not very long, so I don't have I don't have that that issue that concern. Or some will call, will say that that temptation. But the, uh, you know, when I was younger, in my 20s, I looked Amish. I had a full beard, but very small mustache. I think, uh, I think Zayda had that look also for, uh, for a while, at least I see in his wedding pictures. He had a full beard, long beard, several inches, and, uh, and very, very small mustache. So, so far, I'm uh, following in that, uh, in that trajectory. Um, but hey, uh, since we're talking about haircuts on Lagbaimer and cutting uh, cutting the mustache and, and cutting hair, um, why uh, why don't we get haircuts during the uh, during Sfira? Is it uh, is it a halacha? Is it a minhag? Is it a, a a requirement? Is it a prohibition? Are there any exceptions to the prohibition? Obviously, besides on Lagbaimer and in the days leading up to to, to Shavuos. What are you what are you telling us about it? So obviously, uh, we know that the period between Pesach and Shavuos is when we mourn the loss, the death of the twenty four thousand students of Rabbi Akiva, which our sages teach us uh, did not respect each other, and they were stricken by a plague, and they all died during this period. When they actually died and when the plague stopped is a matter of debate. Some say that it ended on Lag Boimer, some say it paused on Lag Boimer, some say that it started on Rosh Chodesh Ir, the first of Ir, and it went through uh, till uh, Shavuos. Some say that it started uh, during Pesach and it went on till Shavuos. Some say that it went on till Lag Boimer. So there are various customs and traditions as to when this mourning is observed. And just like a mourner who is uh, mourning the loss of a family member, of a parent, there's Shiva, there's Shloshim, the seven-day mourning, the 30-day mourning, the 12 months of mourning. And one of the prohibitions during uh, this period of mourning is not to get haircuts, which could, which is considered a, uh, a sign of joy, of happiness, of cleanliness, of... of uh, grooming is generally considered something that... Uh, that uh, comfortable people do and during morning we're supposed to be uncomfortable but there's uh, there's a, there's that uh, I guess we call it a lack of clarity as to exactly what it is that we're hoping to accomplish by observing these times of mourning and everybody knows that during the uh, sphera period we don't listen to music and we don't get haircuts um, but what, what what are we actually observing what are we trying to accomplish um... So, you know, you're 100% right, as uh, you accurately said. We are in a period of mourning for the 24 students of Rabbi Akiva, who died uh, sometime in, some, in a period of 33 days between 
Pesach and Shavuos, and we don't know exactly when of these 33 days, so that's why we keep uh, mourning for about 48 days minus the six days of the intermediary days of uh, of Pesach. So um, we don't take haircuts besides on Lag Baomer, which we do, as I as mentioned before. Um, and there's other things that we do on Lag Baomer, or we don't do, and many people lately have been listening to uh, to music, um, a cappella music, somehow it became okay. We can talk about that too, because uh, a cappella music, if it's not, if it's recorded, if it's not live, then probably has the same issues as the uh, music with instruments, because uh, once it's, once it's either digitized or recorded on a tape or a CD, it has the same. Uh, that itself is the instrument. That that exactly that becomes the instrument itself. So if you want to say that there's a difference in uh, in a live setting between a person singing on a microphone and making sounds with his mouth, versus someone playing with an instrument with a guitar and a, and a piano and a, and uh, musical instruments, fine. But on a recording, I don't see how there's a difference between uh, actual music and a cappella. I also don't think it says in Shulchan anywhere not to play music on like Boimel. Uh, and, and during the Omer time. It does say that you shouldn't marry and you shouldn't get a haircut. Right, it says those things. But other things we learned from what it says regarding the three weeks and the time and the period before Tisha B'Av. And, uh, and, and even there it doesn't say that you shouldn't It doesn't say music. you shouldn't play music. It says that you shouldn't have Saudis Mireyim and you shouldn't have dancing, you shouldn't have a mochel, you shouldn't be dancing in circles and, uh, and celebrations. And that's been interpreted over, over time to mean uh, no... Uh, no music. The the thing is that it says, it says in Shochanoch about no music at all for the whole year. Right, right. In the context of uh, of mourning the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash uh, to this day until Mashiach comes. Right. So if so, there is a general restriction and no listening to music. I don't think anybody has actually adhered to this restriction, but the Shochanoch still clearly has this restriction about no music at all allowed for the Jewish people. You know that in uh, in Yerushalayim, in the holy city of Jerusalem, they, they keep this restriction of no music at weddings. The only instrument that they allow at, uh, at least at the Orthodox Haredi weddings that I've been to in Yerushalayim, is a drummer. The poikin. Right? And uh, that... Uh, that that's significant to me because I'm a an, I'm an amateur drummer and I uh, have a thing for drumming. I have a few drum sets and I try to play as a hobby whenever I can. So for me, it was always uh, as a, as a child and then as an as a teenager and as an adult, I always enjoyed going to weddings in Yerushalayim and watching the drummer being the one that controls the uh, the whole simcha. He sings, he he plays, he he claps, and it's uh, it's always fun. But yeah, you're right. That uh, so, what, what most likely what happened was uh, people started uh, making allowances for music, uh, or at least uh, with the justification that it helps you serve God and it helps you with your with your mood. And uh, if you're if you're in a bad mood, then you don't serve God properly. So music, especially with words of of Torah, of uh, of our, of Chazal, of teachings of our sages, and if they're slow music or fast music, but the idea is to inspire you to be a better Jew. So there's leniencies and, and justification for that. But in these periods where the mourning becomes uh, more centralized and focal and, and focused on, so music is avoided, and that becomes the case during the uh, nine days, the three weeks, and, and during Sefirah Omer. But again, um, even a cappella would also have that same issue, that same concern of uh, 
tricking the more the uh the the, the Aruch, tricking the laws of mourning like haha you think you're going to re- restrict us and prevent us from dancing and singing we're going to sing with our mouths instead of with our instruments and we're going to make <laughs> like that with our mouths and uh and and everything will be fine so what are you guys doing in like Boimer in Munster, Indiana? Ah, like Boimer in Munster, Indiana, we're going to try to remind people of the purpose of this whole uh, sphere of mourning period in the first place. So like every year, we have a celebration, we have a barbecue, we have a bonfire, and we play music, not usually live, usually recorded. And this year, we're also having a guest speaker. And the guest speaker is going to be talking about the history of disunity among the Jewish community. The history of the Jewish community perhaps not getting along as they should. And uh, he's he's a good speaker, he's a very uh, good researcher also, and he has all the stories and the history. And he's going to tell us a little bit about these uh, six specific instances of where the Jewish community uh, was on the brink of falling apart and somehow managed to come back together. And the idea is that on uh, that during the time of Sirius Oimer, where the students of Rabbi Akiva were, were were dying and they were punished because of their lack of unity, as we often uh, uh, as we often read and learn from the teachings of our Rebbe and, and, and Hasidus in general, that the way you correct something is by uh, by overcorrecting. So because there was an issue of, of disunity and disharmony among the Jews, the way you correct it and the way you bring things back to the way it should be is you have an extra and an, an abundance of Avas Yisrael and love for your fellow Jew. So that's, the, uh, that's what we're hoping to accomplish in our community here. Not that we have any uh, major disunity in our community, but the Jewish world in general can use a reminder and can, can use a jolt of Avas Yisrael and, uh, and love for each other. Very nice. Who, so who's the speaker? His name is Rabbi Menachem Posner. He's one of the editors and writers at Chabad.org, and he lives in the nearby Chicago. He's a good friend of mine, and uh, I asked him to come down and, uh, and share with, uh, with us. That's great. That's really wonderful. It's wonderful that you guys have uh, Chabad Shluchim, uh, you know, next door. And you could, uh, you know, enjoy the both enjoy the company and have the uh, the privilege of inviting guest speakers. While my people here are probably so sick of hearing me, because uh, it's always me talking. Yeah, we we don't take a, a, enough advantage of it, but we should. And uh, yeah, you're right. When 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 we do, we think like something that we should do more of. I mean, how many chabad uh, tuchim you have within an hour drive from you? Within an hour, we have about fifty. Wow, so you could have one every week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The state of Illinois has about fifty shluchim. Not all of them are within an hour of us, but uh, something like that. Yeah, but you have some in, in Illinois, some you have some in, in Indiana. Exactly, some in Indiana, some in Michigan, some in Ohio, some in Iowa. If you're willing to drive a little further, everybody's within three four hours driving. That's that's. Uh, that's not too bad. Then you could have them all, uh, you know, speaking at your chabad, speaking to your people. Yeah, it's not bad, and you also have other rabbis as well. And you don't not only uh, be limited to Chabad rabbis; you could also have some other Orthodox rabbis, and other rabbis Rebetzins. So you have uh, you have one hundred and twenty uh, speakers within an hour or two drive. That's not too bad. I drove today for four hours to a factory. Yeah, four hours back and forth, or uh, four hours each way. Four direction. 
Wow, that's a lot of uh, a lot of driving. Yeah, I, I'm I'm always on. I I I'm a big proponent of uh, of shluchim sharing with shluchim, sharing their talents and skills with other shluchim. And I've I've offered and I've been taken up on uh, on speaking at other shluchim's chabad houses. Not that I have anything more or anything more interesting to share than the uh, local shluchim have to share. But like you said, that uh, our community sometimes get tired of hearing us over and over and over every Shabbos and every class and every event is the same rabbi and the same rabbis and speaking and saying the same not the same things, but same uh, same style. They don't they don't listen anyway. So yeah. So uh, once in a while, like I said, we should do it more often. But once in a while, when we do bring in other speakers who speak just as uh, as uh, well as we do and share almost the same things that we do, but when it's coming from someone else, it makes a, a more lasting impression. And and I've done it all for other shluchim. I've gone to their chabad houses and. Uh, served as a guest speaker or a guest lecturer and uh everybody's happy now more people should do that i'm, I'm willing to do more of that for other shluchim and hopefully other shluchim will be willing to do it for me as well i think it's something that we can we can all benefit from that's, that's really great so um what we're gonna do here in lag is we do every year a a community barbecue um uh, whatever we do a shawarma um, this year we're probably going to have some sort of barbecue because we have a lot of ground beef so we, that we should, uh, it doesn't work for shawarma. Um, we usually bring a singer or musician from Israel. This year we have, uh, Russian, uh, refugees who play, uh, who, they actually formed a, a klezmer group. It's not really, not a religious group, but they uh, play klezmer music, which is new on the music scene of Istanbul. So they play klezmer music. Uh, in various uh, you know locations here in Istanbul, in in Turkey, they call themselves the Istanbul Klezmer Group. Uh, believe it or not, I guess uh, the best name is when it's an act an actual description of who you are. Yeah, so they call themselves the Istanbul Klezmer Group, and they play in various you know I don't know uh, uh, clubs, nightclubs, whatever. <laughs> That's quite funny because they post uh, all different uh, Yiddish and Hasidic music which they play. They're not uh, not an observant or specifically a Jewish group, but that is the type of music which they play. They come from Russia. So um hired uh, some of their musicians to play. I asked them if they could play uh, Lag Boimer songs, and they said, of course. They'll play Bar Yechaim, Vamatem Kolechoi, and a whole bunch of other Lag Boimer songs. And they actually, they actually told me that they need must get their clarinet guy to come play, because that is going to be the best one for the Lag Boimer I'm, like, I'm not a, that expert in klezmer music, but definitely fits to the to the to the Lag Boimer celebration to have a klezmer group. So we're gonna have a klezmer group. Um, we'll have a community barbecue. We'll uh, count the Oimer together. We'll uh, speak about Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai and the and a little bit about Kabbalah. We'll get together, and I think getting together, especially in the year of Hakel, and on Lag Boimer and the, during the Oimer, which we celebrate unity or supposed unity of the Jewish people getting together is the purpose and that's what it is so basically that's what's going to be and plus we also do have miracles from time to time miracles are good yeah that's what we speak about on Lag Boimer. you mentioned Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai and, uh, and Kabbalah the Rebbe spoke about uh, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai's life being a miraculous life and it's important to remind the people in our communities that they can experience miracles too, even if you don't see it. And we have a miracle that there was experience. Let me tell you, I had a good, very good friend. Right now they already moved; they don't live in in Turkey anymore. But they have a good friend who was struggling to have kids for quite a few years after marriage. And I called him up before Lagboim and I said, "Listen, Lagboim is a time miracle, especially it has to do with kids. That's what it's. It's in our tradition. Right? Come for come to the Lagboim. We're gonna have a bonfire." 
we're gonna have a barbecue and we're gonna give you make you a special blessing for you. he said I'm work I said come you'll get a blessing left work early he came and nine months of the day he had a baby Wow that's very gutsy of you to uh, to make such a promise and such a guarantee but hey I'm glad it worked out <laughs> it worked out I didn't give any such guarantees for anybody else but I told him you come here like by you as a time for a good but and he had a baby nine months after and since then we have the story that we say every year and like Boimer, that like Boimer is a good thing God nobody else came and asked for such a, for such promises ever it worked once I'm not can't promise it's gonna work again if anybody's gonna ask again maybe I won't give a promise I'll say maybe I'll say that something like it happened before but this something happened. It's, actually, it's a good story, given, you know. Uh, for sure. But you know the story that they say about the Baal Shem Tov? I don't know if it's a true story or not, but uh, that there was once an, an imposter who was pretending to be the Baal Shem Tov. And he was going around from town to town and village to village and giving people brachas. And people thought that he was the real Baal Shem Tov because his brachas were being fulfilled. They were, they were actually producing results. And one day he met the actual Baal Shem Tov. And the Baal Shem Tov cornered him, supposedly, and asked him why he's doing this. He says, well, I started doing it uh, to make a few dollars. But then I saw that my brachas were being fulfilled. So I figured that maybe I do have this strength, this quality, this uh, this power. So the Baal Shem Tov says, no, the reason that your brachas were being fulfilled is because if they weren't going to be fulfilled, nobody would know that you're an imposter. They would think that the brachas of the real Baal Shem Tov are not being fulfilled. So the only reason, the only schus, the only merit you have in your brachas is that you're supposedly representing the Baal Shem Tov. So <laughs> hopefully uh, your, your, your brachas will continue to be fulfilled in the merit of yourself, in the merit of all those who you represent, in the merit of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai, and in the merit of our Rebbe who uh, sent you to Istanbul to be a shining light, a beacon of light, and uh, especially in Lag Boimer when we light bonfires and we... We focus on light, on turning darkness into light and bringing light into uh, all the furthest corners of the world. I have a lot to comment on your on your last uh, few sentences, but I'll reserve it for another less uh, uh, contentious uh, um, episode. <laughs> Which part? The bonfires? The beacon on light comment, the shluchas comment, the... Um, fulfillment of Bach's comment, all these things can be saved. Each one can be dissected to another different episode and have another uh, set of uh, of Achdos. So we're not going to do it on this very, very uh, yummy, fluffy uh, episode that you talk about Achdos, right. about unity. Because unity isn't that much about having a burger together. Unity is also about learning to respect other people's thoughts, other people's feelings, giving, not necessarily validating other people's thoughts and not actually validating other people's way of, uh, of, uh, of thinking, but uh, giving place for other people. And that is maybe the, the sense of, as the Rebbe always said about Talmud Rabbi Akiva, it means that you could hold on to your opinion, but you could also understand and value other people's held, strongly held on opinion. And right. the, the Rebbe spoke about that in the context of uh, Rabbi Akiva's students. And also in, there's a line in Pirkei Avis about uh, praying for the welfare of the, of the king of, or of the uh, monarch, because if not for the fear of the monarch, everybody uh, will swallow each other alive. 
but the, the 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 point that the Rebbe was making again, similar to the uh, st- students of Rabbi Akiva, they uh, each believed that if everybody would only agree with me and if everybody would follow my opinion and my interpretation of our Rebbe's teachings, then everybody would be everything would be good and everybody would uh, would be happy. But you have to you have to agree with me. You have to accept my opinion, and then there can be peace, and then we can get along. And obviously, it all means that, you know what, even if someone disagrees with you, and even if someone is so wrong and so on the opposite spectrum and, and doesn't get it, and there's no way they're ever going to get it, still, obviously, Israel, you can still love your fellow Jew. And I think it's a, it's a good time to remind ourselves, and I remind all our criticizers as well, that it's okay to have criticism. It's okay not to agree with everything that is shared here on this podcast. It's okay to be, uh, you know, to, to say that the, this podcast is really a bunch of rubbish. It's okay. You are entitled to your opinion. You're happy to hear that. Happy to hear your opinion and happy to, to share it. Um, and happy to share that there are some people who disagree with many of the opinions that are held, that are being broadcasted on this, on this podcast. It's okay. Yeah, and we're still friends, and we still love you, and it's all good. Not necessarily it's all good, but it's okay. No, like the, alt, like the Alter Rebbe writes in Tanya, and I think in Perek Lamed Beis, that uh, even after all said and done, and you still haven't been uh, succeeded in changing someone's mind, you still, still have a Yisrael, even if you didn't succeed in changing a person's mind. Still good at the There's end of the day. There's a difference between Avas Reim and Avas Mereim. Reim means uh, friends. Mereim is the opposite of that. So, um, but the point is the same. Yeah. The point. The point is the same. The point is that you could have your opinion, even if it could, it could be totally whacked, and you're you're allowed to share them and allowed to talk about them, and it's okay. We're not gonna censor you. We love you all. Even if you throw, even if you throw salads. We love you all, and thank you for listening. Uh, we. Uh... We appreciate the uh, support and all the feedback. And there's going uh, to come some uh, contentious uh, episodes. Down the line. All right. Very good, yeah, Mendy. That's not really planned, but that's going to happen. Yeah, because we can't control ourselves. No, no, no. Because we have an open mic and you talk whatever sits on your heart. Exactly. All right. See you later, Mendy. Good talking to you.